You're listening to The Riverwalk, the preaching ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. Today we're going to start preparing for our revival. And today's message is called No Honesty, No Revival. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. Turn with me in your Bibles today to the book of Jonah, the little book of Jonah, chapter 3. Most of you here probably know the story of Jonah. We're going to look at what happens in chapter 3 today. In three weeks, in just three weeks, I can't believe it's already here, but we're going to have our spring revival, the first spring revival we've had since I've been here. Now that is just three Sundays away. I got in touch with Lee probably, you know, months ago, and we've been talking to each other and praying about this, and we're excited about this. Revival meetings are also taking place this week. Casey Johnson, like I shared, and Gavin Spinney's going to be here. And I want to tell you, as a pastor, sometimes the question comes up is, do you still believe in revival meetings? Do revivals still work? What's the point of revivals? And I want to tell you that as a pastor, I do. I absolutely believe in revival meetings because I've seen them work. And there's, there's hardly ever a time when revival isn't needed, especially in 2022. You want to know why I believe in a revival so strongly? Because that's where I found Jesus. That's where I made Jesus my king. It wasn't on a Sunday morning. It wasn't on a Wednesday night. It really wasn't at vacation Bible school. It was on a Thursday night revival with Paul Perry speaking. I'll never forget it. It was a revival meeting where I saw Carissa give her life to Jesus. Multiple people here. I've seen you give your life to Jesus at revivals. We've had at Beth River Baptist Church. So I believe in revivals. And I believe the same. The same could be the case this year if we get serious about it and we really desire such a revival. But here's the truth. I've got to be honest as a man. I've got to be honest as as a pastor. And here's the truth. I think many times, many times that revivals are more like recitals. This is what the pastor does or the churches do. They find the best evangelist they can think about. They pay his mileage. They pay his travel expenses. They pay to put him up. We're going to get the best speaker we can possibly imagine. Maybe we'll get a band to come. Maybe we'll have theme nights. And maybe, just maybe, we'll have a mighty move of God if we do do that. But I want to tell you, there's some serious error in that thinking. Here's one of the errors in that thinking. Number one, that lost people are not going to be saved in a revival they don't attend. And let me tell you something, when it's hard to get Christians to come to church, it's pretty crazy to think that lost people are just going to wake up during the week and decide to go to church. Especially if a Christian is not going to be there to invite them. And it's also kind of silly to to call something a revival because something that's never been made alive can never be revived. Revival in its truest sense is is a restoration. It's It's for God's people to be restored. And thirdly, a pastor can want revival all he wants to. Uh... Elders in the church can want revival all they want to. But the truth of the matter is that no matter how much money you spend, no matter who the speaker is, a church that doesn't see a need for a revival, a people that don't see a need for a revival will not be motivated to attend. I hope that we leave here today that everybody here will be motivated and really see a need to be revived. See, the truth is that revival 
A revival is, is work. And just like anything else in life, you, you get out what you put in. And over the next few weeks, I hope to show you what's possible when God's people come together seeking God's heart. And this morning's message is really simplistic. It is simplistic as it possibly can be. And I would title it, No Honesty, No Revival. Barriers to revival. And one of those barriers is not being honest. No honesty, no revival. When we talk about Jonah, we always usually talk about a man and a fish. And we think that that is the biggest miracle in the book. And I want to tell you, it is a pretty big miracle to imagine a man living inside a fish for three days. It's a great story. It's what we tell our vacation Bible school kids. But I want to submit to you today that I think the greatest miracle in the story isn't a man inside a fish. It's about a city being revived. It's about a city turning and going back to God. It's about a people getting honest that they had strayed from where they once were. We pick up the story in Jonah chapter 3. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah said no. He gets on a boat. A storm comes up. He tells the fishermen, hey, you know, it's my fault. Throw me overboard. They throw him overboard. God prepares a whale or a fish, however you want to interpret that, to swallow Jonah. He stays there three days. Jonah comes to his senses. He repents. And he says, you know what? Here I am. Send me. Well throws him up. And we pick up the story in Jonah chapter 3. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry out mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Verse 10, then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. What an amazing story. I love that story. And whenever I get faced with a decision, whenever I get put in a situation where somebody says, well, can God ever change his mind? Is it ever too late for somebody? And I look at this story. This is where I go. And I say, nope, the people of Nineveh showed me that when people get serious, sometimes God does indeed change His mind. It's right there in your Bible. I want to tell you, this nation, Nineveh, you can go read in Genesis chapter 10. It says that, that it was the sons of Noah that Nimrod came from them. Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord. 
Nineveh was founded by a godly man, probably founded by godly people, probably founded on godly values, just like America. I am absolutely convinced that Nineveh was not ignorant about this Hebrew God. They probably knew about Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm sure they knew about the Ten Commandments. I'm sure they knew about Moses and about Joshua. So when they heard this man Jonah preaching, they knew exactly what Jonah was talking about. They knew how powerful this God was. They knew the seriousness of their sin. But just like everybody else here today, just like back then, they had the decision to make at the end of verse 4. Jonah enters the city 40 days. 40 days, Nineveh's going to be overthrown. So between verse 4 and verse 5, everybody that heard it had to make a decision. Number one, they could just ignore Jonah. That's what a lot of Christians do today. They come to church on Sunday morning. They get their little bit of Bible intake. Not enough to get you through the week. They believe the pastor, but they just decide to ignore. Yeah, that sounds good, but maybe next week. They could run away. You know what? If I was in Nineveh, something I may have done, that might have been the option I took. You know what? I know Jonah. I know this God. I'm getting out of Nineveh. I'm not going to stay here. I'm getting away from this. I'm going to go on to something else. I'm not going to participate. That's kind of an option you have this week. Next week and the weeks ahead when we have our revival, well, sure, I know God may turn his mind, but I don't want to participate in this. And the third option they had that they took is just to get brutally honest, getting brutally honest with themselves and their surroundings. Church, I want to tell you, getting honest is what we're called to do. Getting honest means looking at yourself and at your surroundings through God's eyes. As we get ready to, to have these revivals, especially the one here, that's what I do. I try to get honest with myself and my surroundings. Let me tell you, looking at me, getting honest with myself, I don't care that, that I'm a pastor. I don't care that I spend hours in the Word honestly this morning. I do find myself in need of a revival. Because just like you, I get burned out. I get stressed out. My focus shifts. My priorities get mixed up. Honestly, this morning when looking through God's eyes, sometimes I wonder what He is thinking when He calls somebody like me to be a pastor. So honestly, this morning... I've got no problem telling you from time to time, Brother Kevin needs a revival. The people of Nineveh had to do that. They had to examine themselves first off. Where am I at with God? Do I have evil ways that I need to turn away from? What is my desires? Where am I at? Is God angry with me? But it's more than that. I look around at my immediate surroundings. And I want to get honest with my immediate surroundings. For me, my immediate surroundings is right here this morning, my church. And I want to tell you, I, I really believe Beth River Baptist Church, I believe we're doing better than most. Even throughout COVID, we've had an increase in giving. Even throughout COVID, we've still had new church members and we've still had baptisms. And that is awesome. And that is grace. 
great. But when I honestly look at it, church, honestly, 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 through God's eyes, do you really think he is pleased with just a precious few baptisms a year? Look, I believe if we got serious, we could have that many a month. Honestly. Honestly, church, do you really believe the creator of the universe, the one that sent his only son to die for you? Do you really think he's pleased with just a few at prayer meeting on Wednesday night? Because I don't. I honestly think that he knows that he absolutely knows we can do better. And church is something that keeps me up at night and it's something that should bother you too. Honestly, when you stand before Jesus on Judgment Day, what excuse will we give for our apathy? What's it going to be? The Bible says we're all going to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when He looks down at me, what excuse is going to suffice? I had all year to do this work I needed to do, but... Those three days, March 13th through the 16th, I chose those three nights when I should have been caring about being revived. I should have been caring about my lost neighbor. I had all week, but Sunday morning or Wednesday night when I chose to do this task. Do you really think, honestly, do you really think, how do you think Jesus is going to answer you in that day? Church, I honestly believe our church needs a revival. Nineveh did more than that, though. They, they went to even the outer surroundings. They went to the king. The word went to the king, it says in verse 6. And church, I, I, I get further than that. I look at myself. I look at my immediate surroundings, the church, Liddyville, Winsboro, Franklin Parish. But then let's just get bigger. Let's look at our town and let's look at our nation. This all started in chapter 1, verse 2. God told Jonah, their wickedness has come up before me. And church, I want to ask you today, honestly, do you think America is any less evil than Nineveh? I honestly don't. I want to tell you, it doesn't really say all the things that Nineveh was involved in. But just consider today, I believe every person in this room probably has a television. And you cannot turn that television set on without seeing a sin that God detests. America, we have a whole month dedicated to celebrating sin. The most popular social media post is one of sin and one that spews hate and one that has vile language. And, and, even, and even many American churches, American churches have got to a point where they not only refuse to call out sin, but churches are celebrating it. Not only are pastors performing same-sex weddings, some churches are being led by homosexual clergy. And we Christians, we're like crickets on these issues. So I'm telling you, church, if our wickedness has not become upon the Lord yet, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be there soon. Honestly, church, I need a revival. You need a revival. Our town needs a revival and our nation needs a revival. But it will never be, it will never happen if we don't get honest about it. Nineveh got honest 
about their situation, and Nineveh got honest about who they were. It says in verse 5, the, pe- the people of Nineveh believed God. They didn't believe Jonah. They believed God. They said, you know what? I believe God. The people of Nineveh went from seeing themselves as in control to being totally out of control. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you, church, for this revival, for these revivals, it's not Brother Kevin, it's not Brother Lee, it's not Brother Casey, it's not Dr. Spinney that can bring revival or salvation. It is God and God alone. And we would do well to seek His face and ask Him for revival. These people went from having an independent mindset to a dependent mindset. If we realize our dependence on God, we would worship Him like never before. We would resolve even right now to not miss a single service. I look at this and I see that that the people of Nineveh, they honestly started seeing people through God's eyes. In verse 6, it went to the king of Nineveh and he rose from his throne and he laid aside his robe and sat in ashes. And in verse 7, he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. And then he said, neither man nor beast. He set it out for everybody. It went from the king to the nobles to everyone and everything. These people's actions showed their heart. Man, we're commanded to start seeing people through God's eyes. We're commanded to share the gospel, to pray for and do absolutely everything we can to share the truth with everyone. Not just the clean cut, Not just the white ones, not just the Republican ones, not just the ones that think like us, but the ones, the ones that Jesus died for, which is everybody. I look at this story and I just wonder if the king had commanded differently. The result may have been differently. Everybody, just like the picture you see, everybody had to get honest. But they did more than just talk. They did more than just pray. They did more than just fast. They did something. Let's talk about what they did. Imagine for a second, imagine being told that you have 40 days before God wipes you out. So this really happened. You've got 40 days. I'd be planning my last meal, but not the Ninevites. Ninevites proclaimed a fast. They stopped eating. They honestly, honestly showed their reverence to God. Church, when was the last time that you honestly did something? When was the last time that, that, that you fasted for God's glory? When was the last time that you denied your flesh anything to allow God to move? One thing that I've learned reading the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, is that over and over and over again, God moves through our obedience. And either you're working with Him or you're working against Him. They fasted, they put on the sackcloth, they did all that. And look at verse 8, look what else they did. It said, but let, it, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God, yes, Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. They turned from their evil ways. Now, you you may be here today and 
And I, I believe that everybody here today, in my eyes, is just fine, upstanding citizens. But in God's eyes, in God's eyes, we all have evil ways to turn away from. How you speak matters. How you talk. How you look. Everything you do and everything you don't do. It absolutely matters. Even the best, the most clean cut, those with no arrest records whatsoever have has evil ways we can turn from. Consider the Ten Commandments. The Bible says you've broken one, you've broken them all. Have you ever lied? Sinner. Have you ever cheated? Evil. Have you ever stole? Evil. Have you ever looked at somebody of the opposite sex with lust? Adulterer. Evil. And on and on it goes. You ever been mean? You ever been judgmental? Are you not loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind? These people looked at that and they said, Whoa, wait a minute. It's time to get honest. God's angry with me. God's angry with my nation. And I don't know if God can change His mind, but I know what I can do. I can repent. I can make my heart right today. In verse 10, you see that they didn't know what God's decision would be. But they knew God's heart. This reminds me of, um, I'm sorry, it's in verse 9. Verse 9, they, they didn't know what God's decision would be. They knew God's heart. It reminds me of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Don't know if God will save me out of this fiery furnace. And I don't know if God will spare America or not. I don't know if a great revival will happen in Liddyville or not. I don't know. But you know what I do know? I know God's heart. I know God inhabits the praise of His people. I know God will forgive me. I know God's got a plan for me. I know God sent His Son to die for me. So from now on, I'm repenting of my evil ways and I am sold out to Him. Like I said earlier, man, the, the greatest story. I, I really think we do a horrible disservice in vacation Bible school and teaching our children this story without showing them verse 10. Because look at verse 10. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he, that he had said He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. That's the miracle of the story. It's not the whale, and it's not the fish. It's a neat story. It's a cool story. I love it. It's great to teach. But the, the miracle is that God looked at an evil people. God was ready to bring judgment on an evil people. God was ready to bring judgment on people that had strayed. And the people of Nineveh, from the king to the nobles to everyone, said, God, please know, have mercy. We'll fast. We'll pray. We'll turn from our evil ways. And God, in his wonderful mercy, looked down and said, Okay. You guys are serious. You guys are serious. And right there in that moment, Nineveh experienced a little revival. Who knows about revival this year? But you know, I can't close this story out without sharing Jonah's reaction to this. Look in chapter 4, verse 1. It's a great story. You see how I preached it? You see how excited I am? Like, man, God saves the city. But look at Jonah. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he became angry. 
In this book, there's two kinds of people. There's the Ninevites and there's Jonah. Which are you this morning? A Christian like Jonah. Jonah knew God. Jonah talked with God. Jonah was a preacher. Jonah was a prophet of God. But at the end of the day, Jonah did not want a revival. Jonah wanted business as usual. Jonah wanted God to just get rid of the problems he saw. Jonah didn't trust God. A Christian like Jonah doesn't want revival. It's more work. It's more trouble. It's different people. That means different people might be here that you don't like. That means you may be uncomfortable. That means the evangelist might say something that steps on your toes. That means there may be different music during the week. That means there may be new church members come. Who knows what may happen? It's trouble. It's work. And a Christian like Jonah is bothered by that and would rather business as usual. And in a way, it kind of makes you want to sympathize with Jonah. I mean, Jonah was trusting in God to keep his word. And now it's making Jonah look like a liar. But a Christian with this attitude, a Christian with that kind of attitude... It's honestly saying, I don't want what you want, God. I don't want that kind of church member. I don't want that kind of church. I don't want that kind of preacher. I don't want these kind of services. I don't care what you want. I want it my way. I want it my way. And I want you to just see the end result of that in verse 3. Look what Jonah said. Therefore, O Lord... Please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Man, a Christian that's not on board with what God is doing, a, a Christian that, that's not seeking God's face, a, seeking, a Christian that's not, that that's desires is different from God's desire, makes for a miserable life. The end result is that Jonah just wanted to die. He wanted to give it all up. Meanwhile, the Ninevites were restored. Ninevites experienced a revival. And things were great in Nineveh. Moral of the story this morning is that revival cannot happen without honesty. This morning, right here today, three weeks before our revival, six hours away before our cluster revivals, I'm asking you to be honest this morning. For revival. I'm asking you to be honest with yourself. Where do you stand before the Lord? If Jesus was going to come back this evening, where do you stand? Do you have anything in your life that you need to repent of? Honestly, this morning, can you say that you want a revival? If not, you should. You should want better. I believe, you know, even the greatest Christians throughout time, I don't care if it's Billy Graham or Charles Spurgeon, I believe they all had a heart for revival. They wanted more and you should too. I'm asking you to honestly crave more. Honestly, this morning, if you were to die today, do you know that you know that you know that you would be in Jesus' presence? And how would He find you? Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. I hope you'll be like the Ninevites and realize your need for a personal, local, and national revival and that you won't be like Jonah. 
Our revival is March 13th through the 16th, 6.30 every night with Lee Failer speaking. I really hope you'll come join us. Have a great week.